Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Well, if you're going to look up the scripture today, it's going to be in Luke chapter 1. You can use your device or if you have a paper Bible, Luke chapter 1. It's uh, in a paper Bible. It's three quarters of the way back. And if you didn't know this, if you're curious about much of the Christmas story, that happens in the book of Luke. It's the biggest account of the Christmas story. A question will come up on the screen. Maybe this will provoke some thought in you. Do you know any spiritual standouts? Like a person that you look and think, man, they're way above average in the things of faith. You know anybody, you're like, oh yeah, there, that's, that's. So an example from my life, I still remember what I think is the first, maybe I just didn't have eyes to see it, but the first committed Christian I ever met. I was 20 years old and I met Mr. Green. Some of you right now are thinking of an old game called Clue. (laughs) This is not Professor Plum or Colonel Mustard. And there's some young people going, what just happened? No idea. Mr. Green was his name. I don't know his first name. He was a friend of mine's father. And um, he was just remarkable. I remember seeing him sit at his kitchen table and he was reading reading his Bible. And he was writing in his Bible. And I'm like, dude, you're going to hell, man. You can't do that. Because I, I just had never met anyone that, like, studied the Bible or wrote in the Bible. Some of you right now are still freaking out. Like, he wrote in it. Yeah, he did. And he did that. I also remember him because he would say to me, I usually would just see him on the weekends, and he would ask me, hey, Mark, what can I pray for this week? And I would give him something, you know, like, oh, yeah, you could pray for this. And I'd remember then the next weekend, I would see him and he would say, so how's it going with your job? Or how's it going with your stuff? And I can remember thinking, now, wait a minute. Are you actually praying about this stuff? I remember thinking, this guy really, like, believes that this prayer, just the first committed Christian that I had ever Met. Can you think of anybody like that in your life? That Like, no, they're really doing this. I also thought of one of our ministry partners, uh, Pastor Abraham. His name will come up on the screen. And he's been in India doing ministry. His life's been threatened multiple times. He's been physically beat up for what he does. And he just keeps on plugging away. He's planted forth over 4,000 churches. And now at his age, he's actually starting one of the biggest ministry projects he's ever started. He's still leaning in. Uh, they're starting a, a school and a church in, a, in New Delhi where 99% of the people are not Christians. And a big percentage of them are hostile to Christians. But that's like a remarkable faith to me. Some of them are not that big of a deal when I think of people that are standouts. I think of a friend of mine who's, uh, her name's Joyce. And, you know, God forbid, she's probably as old as I am. That's like a big deal. And, but she's still, and I think she's been a Christian for quite some time. And, and she's still, maybe she's faking it, but like every time I talk to her, like you just still love God after the ups and downs of all the years, Right? 
Those kinds of things. Have you ever considered that God actually wants us to be spiritual standouts? That's his, that's his heart for all of us. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, the command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's his hope for us. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, do your best. Do your best. That's a high standard to present yourself to God as one approved. One more verse that's it may not be the best verse, but it says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's like a faith pep talk, like don't give up. Keep on <laughs> believing. I just thought of an old song, right? Don't stop believe it okay sorry who is that guy journey yes shout out to journey okay sorry where am i hey it's like a pep talk in faith <laughs> And um, all that to introduce our Christmas series, which we're starting this week. It's called Believe. And my best, my favorite part of the title for the series is the exclamation point. Like, believe. And our hope for the next few weeks is to encourage your belief. By the way, most of you, some of you I could argue, are probably kind of spiritual standouts already because you're here. And we're living in a world where that's not happening in a lot of lives. A lot of people, church is optional, you know, and doing all that other stuff. So way to go. But we'd like to also bring to you some encouragement. Keep on believing and keep on going. And so that's part of our hope with the series. I would also admit that believing at some times is hard. Anybody ever have doubts? It's vineyard, you can be pretty honest. Yeah, right? It's, yeah, I think it's hard sometimes. I still remember uh, pretty vividly when uh, my, one of my daughters was maybe four or five years old. And when my kids were little, we would go out onto the deck. We live a little bit out in the country. And at night, we would get sleeping bags. We would do it more so if it was like really cold. We would go out at night, and then we would lay under the stars. We'd have conversations. We'd talk about stuff or watch for shooting stars and those things. And uh, my youngest, I remember Anna when we were out uh, one night, and she said to me, Dad, how do you know for sure? Because sometimes I doubt, and I wonder, is God really up there? And I said, you're a pastor's kid. You're not allowed to ask those questions. <laughs> and then we went on with life, and I didn't, I didn't say that. That would be bad parenting, by the way. I don't think that would be good parenting. But I said to her, I still remember, and I said, yeah, I know. Sometimes I feel that way too, and I think, am I crazy that there's a God out there? And then I turned it during the conversation. I said, but then I start to think about how much Jesus has changed my life and how when I read the Bible, it feels like God is talking to me. 
And when I look at biblical principles, because the Bible says that we're messed up and we're sinful and we need a savior. And I start thinking of those things and I told her, and then I usually just come back around and go, he's there, I believe. But, but it's hard at times. I would say it's really important that we come around and end up at belief again. Um, John 1, 9 is describing when Jesus came into the world, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. In verse 12, it says, to those who believed in his name, that's really important, he gave the right to become children of God. So belief is super important. And today we're going to try to stir some of that up in us. Um, we're going to look at someone who believed well, and it's Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so the setting here, it's part of the Christmas story, and what's going on is a lot of the Christmas story stuff. So you've got angels showing up, you've got the magi, the, the kings are following a star, there's all these kinds of Christmas themes happening, and here is an encounter that Mary has with an angel, and it's Luke 1, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Bounce to verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the one to be born will be called the Son of God. And then my favorite part of the story for this year is verse 38, where Mary says, this is believing to me. She says, I am the Lord's servant, May your word to me be fulfilled. The title of the talk is Mary, an example of strong faith. And I want to explore what it took for Mary to stay in this or get to this moment of, I believe. Uh, so let's pause and pray. Father, There are probably, uh, probably some of us who are doing really well at believing others might be in a difficult season. Some of us might just be curious about God, and we're not sure we believe anything, any of this stuff. No matter where we are, God, will you speak to us in such a way that it would move us toward just solid understanding and faith in you? And I thank you for your scripture, for the Bible that teaches us so well. In Jesus' name, amen. So two ideas 
that I see in Mary's faith that I think will help us. The first one is this. Mary's faith required pushing through some unsettling moments. Unsettling moments. In verse 28, I think Mary, no, it says Mary was unsettled. It says, when the angel says, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you, it says, Mary was greatly troubled. Everybody say, greatly troubled. It's greatly troubled at his words. Um, another version of the Bible says that she was very perplexed in this moment. The word here in the original language, it's a really strong word for almost discomfort, emotional discomfort. It's to agitate or trouble greatly. It's stir up to the limit. It's acute distress. This was an interesting picture. It's intensely going back and forth, to and fro between inner thoughts and emotions. It was unsettling. I was trying to think of a picture of what that might look like, and I thought of when my uh, wife was pregnant with our first child, 4 a.m. on a Thursday morning, she gets up out of bed, and as she's leaving the bed, she says, I think my water just broke. And by the way, she, she was calm. She went and she said, yeah, my water broke. And she said, I think I'm, you know, because that means, hey, we're going to go to the hospital. And she said, I'm going to get ready and get cleaned up, and we're going to go to the hospital. And she was doing really well. I freaked. <laughs> I remember coming to the left side of the bed, sitting there, and my mind was going to and fro and there and here and what and ah and all that stuff. And so for like 10 minutes, she was all, you know, getting ready. She came out. I'm just still sitting there on the edge of the bed. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so, so she was like, okay, we're going to do it. So she took me to the hospital, and she had a baby. It just took a moment for me because I just kept thinking, I don't know, did I forget everything from the class? Am I going to go? So I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that, but it was just, a, I was paralyzed with, ah, what's happening here? And there was some of that, I think, going on in Mary. There was, I don't just think, some of that was going on in Mary in the midst of this, and this is what Mary does in a remarkable way. This is a fill in the blank. Mary didn't let a panic attack derail her spiritual opportunity. She didn't let this unsettling, this greatly troubled, this very perplexed moment, this panic attack derail her spiritual opportunity. And this is really important for us because... Emotionally challenging moments are part of life, and they're part of our journey with God in believing. Does that make sense? Like, there's just moments where you can be mentally stressed, and if we don't make it through those moments, we can end up off the journey of faith and quit. People quit following God at times in the midst of faith difficult emotional thing but they come to us all 
in uh, Genesis 12. This is God's will for Abraham or Abram's life is he's going to be the father, one of the fathers of faith. But in this moment, God says to him, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. Which if you paraphrase that, basically leave everything you know and go to a new place. And I'll tell you about it when we get there. That, that could be a little bit of a stretching emotional moment. You see, Right? God says to the same man in Genesis 22, this is perplexing, says, take your son, your only son, whom you love. That's interesting to me. Not the one you don't like, the one you love. <laughs> like the son that you like. Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, and then God says to him, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. How many of you know that'll make you, your head spin? Another interesting one that I thought of was in, uh, interesting to me, 1 Samuel 18. You can read about it if you want. There's a uh, character in the Old Testament named David. God's will for his life is to become king and be a great leader. But in this season, I think it's in this chapter in 18, David's role and responsibility is to play music in the presence of the present king. He plays the harp. And so you think, oh, what a great season, you know. But often what would happen, fairly regularly, the present king would kind of go crazy and decide to throw spears at the harp player. I mean, you know, that would be emotionally a little draining. Bling, 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 bling. <laughs> what the heck? I mean, because it happened... Did you like that? It's like, I'm like a cat, aren't I? Anyway, right? But you would, like, he's right in the middle of God's will, and every once in a while, the king would go, I hate you, and he would throw spears at him. How do you know that could derail your, your trust in the Lord? As you're dodging spears, you might get a little question. Are you really there, God? I just thought that was a fun one. So just to bring this into the room, this is an important question for us. Do I let emotional challenges derail my spiritual life? Do I let emotional challenges derail my spiritual life? Of course, underneath that is really a challenge, right? Don't let emotional challenges derail your spiritual life. Because emotional moments, challenges will come. We're going to do well, we get through them. I just had one this last week, just a little one. Wednesday night, I think it was Wednesday night, couldn't sleep very well. And so I got up and I thought, oh, I'll just watch some television. So uh, uh, PBS was on and they were doing a documentary on uh, Stephen Hawking's. Some of you have heard of Stephen Hawking. Here's a picture, a little bit about him. Apparently had a very high intellect. He had PhDs in physics. And, and uh, I think one of the reasons he became at least a little more noteworthy was because he achieved all these uh, things in the midst of great physical challenges. He had some kind of a debilitating 
neuromuscular disease. He passed away in 2018. He's also well known for spending a huge amount of his intellectual horsepower trying to prove, here's what he did a lot of, he tried to prove there is no God behind creation. And I'm watching this documentary, and at one point this kind of a, of a, of a, a, a saying, I think I actually explored a little bit online too, here's what it says about Stephen. It says, Stephen Hawking's final book says, there's no possibility of God in our universe. 3 a.m., well, 3 a.m., Thursday morning, I see there's, his final book says there's no possibility of God in our universe. And for like three seconds, you know what happened to me at 3 a.m. on Thursday morning? I thought, oh no, there's no God. You ever had the, I really was like, oh shoot. <laughs> Stephen, and I'm being, like it really was. I'm like, Stephen Hawking's just, just so, oh gosh, what am I doing? I had that thought. And you know what I have to do in that moment? I got to work through that. I got to kind of settle myself and think, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And so either I'm going to, and so here's come up some of my mental process that happened on, in that, the middle of that night. I've got to decide, wait, 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 wait. Do I trust Stephen Hawking's, who I don't know, and who, by the way, died in 2018, and by the way, is still dead today? Or am I going to lean into Jesus Christ, who also died 2,000 years ago, but rose from the grave three days later? How many know that's a little different? Right? How many know that's just different? You look at the ripple effect of the life of Jesus Christ that's been happening for 2,000 years. And here's the idea. Watch, watch what you let derail your faith. No disrespect, but Stephen Hawking's in 50 years. Okay, 100 years. If Jesus tarries in 200 years, who will give a rip what Stephen Hawking's ever said? We won't even, we won't even know. Most, most of humanity won't have any record of who he is. So wait a minute. Don't let the words of that voice cancel out if your faith in the reality of the hundreds of times that you've like read the Bible. By the way, Stephen Hawking wrote a book. I don't know how many people bought it. Can I talk to you about this book that's been changing lives for hundreds of years? Tens of thousands, millions of people read this book and it gives them guidance for life. This book helps people, right? Now, now some of you may go, well, it hasn't helped me. Can I just say, if I did it now, uh, dozens, hundreds of people in our church would stand and say, this book has changed my life. That's the kind of testimony that makes a difference. So just be cautious before we, when we have a moment of doubt and just decide, oh, wait. You know, Susan posted on Facebook that, that anybody who follows Jesus is stupid. Well, who gives a rip what Susan posted on Facebook? Because, so I shouldn't have said that. Do we care? Do we care what Susan, we don't even like Susan. Why do we, why do we let some voice that, does that make sense? That the, and the enemy of your soul will try to have you emotionally attach yourself and your faith 
to someone who doesn't have fruit in their life. They're not helping anybody. They're not doing good. Do you know what I mean? A lot of them, like, why do we even care what they said? Why do we read what they wrote? They're just, it's just Susan. Where am I in my notes? I add, here's a verse that seemed to be helpful to me as I was considering this. The Bible says, the writer, God, who wrote, God who used human beings to write this, it says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart so that they may know the full riches of complete understanding. And then it says this, this is a good challenge, encouragement to us in the season we live in. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. It's just a fine, oh, that's, that's a math equation. That seems to make sense. Just be careful. There's a difference between a fine-sounding argument and the truth. So Mary's faith required pushing through an unsettling moment. The other idea is her faith required adopting a servant attitude. A servant attitude. We're going to land. I'll let you write that down. Sorry. Servant attitude. We're going to land in verse 38 where she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That moment of belief, willingness, I'm the Lord's servant. But let me paint a picture before we get there. My son and daughter-in-law are refabbing, doing a house. It was a, one of those like foreclosure kind of things. Uh, here's a picture of the house. Which that, that'll be, well, Here's another angle, which gives you a little better understanding. And another angle. And, and there, so it was a house. One of the guys described it as a house where everything needs touched. Like there was no flooring that, they, that could be saved. There were holes, there's holes in some of the roof. There, the water pipes had all been broken because they didn't close it down for winter. It's one of those, they couldn't find the well. Like I remember that two week, like, hey, did you find, find the well? Nope, can't find the well. Does it have a well? Well, it should, but no one can find it. So it was just one of those things. Anyway, yesterday, Saturday, well, actually, my son invited me uh, in the middle of the week. He said, what are you doing Saturday? Here is the invitation. Would you come up and help caulk some stuff? That was it. Caulk some stuff. And I get there yesterday morning to caulk some stuff. There's two ways I can approach my big job of caulking some stuff. The one is, before I caulk, I need all the details about everything that's going on in the house. I need to know the master plan. So are you going to replace these windows? What kind of windows are you going to replace them with? You're going to have Pella windows or Anderson windows? They're going to be double hung? Do you have a plan for this? What about the roof? Because there's holes in the roof. Did the roof get fixed? What kind, of, what kind of plywood? Is anybody taking care of? Did you find the well? Is there water? Do you know what I mean? Like I could get all caught up in all the details because before I caulk, I want to know, does that make sense? That's one approach to my caulking opportunity. The other approach is to get there and just say, hey, what do you want me to do? Well, go get the... 
and just start caulking, like where they say caulk here. And can I tell you, the, if, if I get too caught up in the first thing, I just never get to fulfill the opportunity of, I'm here to serve, I'm your caulk man. What do you want me to do? And does that make sense? And sometimes we get all caught up in the details. Let's go back to the text. This is the amazing part for me about Mary. By the way, the information that the angel says to Mary is really complex. It would be easy to get caught up in the why and how is this going to happen. Because he says, you will conceive. Stop. <laughs> she knows she's a virgin. Wait, what? So you will conceive, give birth to a son. You're going to call him Jesus. Why? It's going to be my son. Can I call him whatever? No. So do you see there's these stopping points that she could say, she could stop. How is this going to happen? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow. The Holy One to be born in you is going to be called the Son of God. Whoa. She could say, stop. Can you please put that on a whiteboard? Because I do not understand what the heck you're talking about here. But the remarkable thing about Mary is she doesn't get caught up, and I have to know the details. By the way, how are you going to ever explain that stuff? We're just little pea-brained people. We can't figure out the, the, the intricacies of how God's going to get a lot of things done. But we can respond to God when he says, here's your opportunity. And we could say, like Mary, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be as you've declared it. Does that make sense? That's, that's great faith. That's, that's honoring God. I thought of it this way. This is not a fill in the blank. But Mary understood that God was in charge and she was there to serve. We would do well to be more like her. Before we close up, I want to give you some benefits to a submissive attitude toward God because um, there are benefits to us as well. So the first one is this. Submission saves us from the labor of understanding. Oh my. If I have to know every single thing about the rebuilding of the house, that's going to take me a long time because I'm not that good at it. Just, just serve. And it's the same way with spiritual things. Like, I just know I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Go at it. Well, I don't know how does that work and how close they have to be in my neighborhood. What if their name's Susan? <laughs> Whatever. There's that, that thing, right? Just do it. Otherwise, we can overthink and that can become too much labor. And by the way, I'm not against education and thinking through things, but I think you know what I'm talking about. So submission saves us from the labor of understanding. It also enlists God's protection. You read the Christmas account, Mary and Joseph, God watch, he's got their back. Because she says here, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. And, and people try to kill Jesus. And God takes them places, protects them from that. In Psalm 18, it says, to the faithful, to people who are full of faith, God shows himself faithful 
And it goes on to say about the Lord, it says, you save the humble. There's benefits to a submissive attitude toward God. The last thing is, submission is a welcome act of worship to God. Welcome act of worship. Welcome act of worship. If you've ever wondered, most of us probably have, what's one thing I could do to worship God today? To honor him for sending Christ. Here's one you can keep on your list. Whenever he asks you to do something, just go, okay. And you will be a remarkable Christian. You will be a remarkable son or daughter of God. Because can you imagine how many times God looks down at people, either through the word or by his spirit, and says, hey, I'd like you to do this. And instead of us doing it, we have to ask 16 questions and you know, argue back. And when we, I think Mary, she's just so remarkable because she's all this stuff and she says, okay. And I wonder if God didn't go, that's why I picked her. Look at that. I know she doesn't understand anything that I just said she was going to do, but she said, okay, I'm in. What a blessing to God. So this week, if God prompts you to be generous with somebody and give them five bucks for something, don't ask for a financial report of their life. Well, I need to have a spreadsheet, God, because I want to make sure that they don't mishandle the five dollars. <laughs> or when he says, will you just pray for them? And, and, and you know, don't say, well, I don't know. What, if, what, if, what if it's Susan? I don't want to pray for her, right, Lord, because we... All know you hate Susan. Or, 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 oh, how about this one? God says, hey, worship, or go to church. I want you to go to church. And, and we go, well, I don't know. It depends on, who, you know, what worship songs are they going to do? Did I? Do you know how we get in? Just do it. So here's the last fill in the blank. When was the last time I just believed? I just believed. You can be a huge blessing to God this week. Just, I'm just going to believe. Why don't you stand? We'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.